Good morning, Grace. If you don't know me, my name is Stephen Ray. I'm one of the lay teachers here at Grace Oviedo, and I wanted to share a quick story this morning. Back when I was in college, I used to work at a summer camp in North Carolina, right in the foothills leading up into the Appalachian Mountain Range called Camp Lurkrest. And so one summer, I got promoted from a counselor in training to a uh, just a normal camp counselor. I was going to be in charge with another uh, a fellow counselor over an entire cabin. And so when I got that news, I was super excited. And my brother Josh uh, gave me, or rather I borrowed, uh, one of his walking sticks from our childhood. It was this really cool walking stick that was like burned on one end. And it just made sense to me that if I was going to be working at a summer camp in the hills and in mountains, I was going to need a walking stick. And so I, I kind of showed up and I was one of the only counselors that carried a walking stick. No matter where we went, I had that thing. I would use it to walk all over the campground. And uh, one morning, I was walking our kids. I think we were going to like the zip line or the climbing wall. I can't remember. But we were walking to one of the activities and I looked behind me to just check and make sure that our kids were there because, you know, that can happen. You know, as, an, as a parent now, I know. You'll be like, where's my daughter? Oh, there she is. Off into the woods. There she goes. Um, and so I turned and looked and uh, all the kids in our cabin behind me all had gone into the woods, found their own walking sticks, and now we're walking in our entire cabin for the entire week. We're known as the kids with the walking sticks. Here's why. Because they were reflecting and trying to be like me. Uh, my habit that I didn't even really intentionally think of was teaching those who were following me what it looked like to walk in life. In this series right now, we're calling it Best Practices, Developing Solid Spiritual Habits. Today, we're talking about teaching matters. Teaching matters, and specifically this. What we are being influenced by matters what is teaching us and also every time all the time no matter what we are constantly teaching those around us so teaching is going to matter for developing our spiritual habits in this mini series we're exploring a address from the apostle paul to a pastor named timothy and specifically, Paul is encouraging this young pastor to pastor well and continue to grow in his spiritual gifts in order for him to walk out leadership in his life. And just some needed historical background before we jump into the message this morning. What we're going to know is that Timothy, this young pastor that First Timothy is written to, he's pastoring in a church in a town called Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was probably the fourth largest city of the ancient world. It was a huge metropolitan place, and it was also known as a big spiritual epicenter of the ancient world. Any type of religion you could think of, any type of spiritual experience you could think of, it could be had or done in Ephesus. It was really the spiritual Disney world, if you will. Like, if you wanted to go and any dream that you had, any experience that you had, you could find it in Ephesus. And so that is the place where Timothy is, is preaching and pastoring. It is a place of diverse spiritual awakening. There are tons of different voices in Ephesus competing for what is the truth. And what we're also going to see from the book of Acts 
is that the Apostle Paul pastored the church there for three entire years. So he was a pastor there. It says that while Paul was pastoring the church in Ephesus, that the entire continent of Asia heard the gospel. I mean, that is incredible. An incredible work done by Paul in Ephesus. And what we see, if you're taking notes, Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 31. Paul is heading towards the city of Jerusalem, and he knows that he's going to be arrested for preaching the gospel. And he is heading there, and he stops off in Ephesus to talk to his eldership team for one last time. And when he was there, in verses 28 through 31, he says this warning. He says, I know that false teachers are going to rise up from outside of the church and even from within the church. And so he gives this warning to the eldership team. He says, I know that some of you are going to turn away and start to lead this church with your false teaching. He's basically saying this, yo, Paul, I've seen what you've been posting on Facebook, man. That's whack. You know, you're going to be leading, you're going to be saying all this crazy stuff. So he's warning the church not to fall into false teaching. And right here in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, it says this, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God, God's work. Think about that. Paul is saying this, hey, Timothy, your job is to combat those who are teaching false doctrines. They're spreading false doctrines. They're spreading false teaching. It's influencing and affecting the entire church. And your job is to unify the church under your leadership with humility and correct those who are trying to teach people what is wrong. I don't know about you, but if I was Timothy, I'd be like, uh, could you pick someone else to pastor this church? That doesn't sound very fun. Like, I would rather not do that. And so Paul is giving this big challenge. And while he's doing that, he's saying, hey, you're going to have to be spiritually the rock of the church if you're going to be able to walk out this mission well. So that's where we're heading for today. We're seeing this final charge of Paul to say, hey, walk out your spirituality well because it's going to matter with the call that God has for you on this church. Now, one final asterisks before we jump in. None of us in this room are Timothy. I don't know if you knew that or not. You guys are not Timothy living in the first century, all right? That's not you. And not all of us are, uh, you know, necessarily pastoring or have a call within ministry. That being said, this passage is going to have a lot to say about our personal walks with Christ and how we can influence others even in our secular spaces. So with that being said, and with that context in our brains— Let's jump into the passage for this morning. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, and it says this, verse 11, Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Now, it seems like there are people that are within the church who are growing up and they're teaching these false doctrines. And those people who are probably on the eldership team, they are dismissing Timothy because of his age. It probably sounds like this. Hey, guys, don't listen to Timothy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's too young to spiritually lead the church. Listen to us instead. They're trying to use his age to dismiss him and his message. Now, the irony is that we know from other biblical passages and from doing some quick math, I'm not good at math, but the 
you know, the people that I read, you know, the commentaries I read, they're good at math. So here's what they said. We, we know that Timothy is probably in his 30s. Now for us, 30s is like, that's not too young. Like, that's, that's not too young at all. But in the ancient world, in your 30s is way too young to be spiritually influencing others. And so they're using what is outside of Timothy's control to dismiss him. Now, I don't know about you. But if people use things that are outside of my control to dismiss me, I can tend to get pretty frustrated. That's a pretty frustrating thing to do. And a lot of the times when we get criticism, and especially if you ever get criticism for things outside of your control, we can tend to overcorrect on superficial things in order to gain influence through others or uh, to gain influence over others. I want to give you an example. I was reading a commentary in preparation for this message, and this commentator said this. I didn't know this, that apparently a lot of pastors go to speech therapy in order to make their voices sound deeper because they believe that if they have a high-pitched sounding voice, then the congregation that they're preaching to won't take them seriously. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have a problem with that. But, um, and so a lot, it's a superficial thing that it's a, it's a criticism. Hey, I don't like the way that your voice sounds, so I'm not going to listen to you on Sunday morning. So some pastors try to correct on a superficial thing in order to gain influence. And Paul is saying this, hey, Timothy, when people come with this unfair criticism of you, don't focus on the superficial things. Rather... You are going to show your naysayers who you are by your proven character. Let's look at this again. Let's start all the way in in verse 11. It says, Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. In other words, Timothy, don't focus on your voice, don't focus on your clothes. Don't focus on how you look or how you appeal to others. Rather, just focus in on the continuing work of the Holy Spirit as he continues to shape and transform you into the image of Jesus. Hey, focus on your character is exactly what Paul's saying. Now, Paul points out five different things. I want to point them out to you. He says, uh, set an example in speech and conduct, love and faith and in purity. These are not just five arbitrary random things. Rather, what we're going to see is that there's two categories that are laying on a bedrock of purity. That the two categories actually have a lot in common with one another. So the first category is uh, Timothy is supposed to set good speech with good conduct. So good speech. Timothy, his job is to pastor and preach and and teach at the church. So every Sunday, he's supposed to get up and teach to the church. But probably what Paul is focusing on is not just what Timothy says on Sunday mornings, but what Timothy says every single day. How he uses his speech to uh, the people in that church on Monday through Saturday. It's not just what Timothy says, but it's how Timothy says it that matters. Now, this is a little aside and something that I think could be a sermon all into itself. But one of my uh, mentors in college told me this. He said, Stephen, if you're ever trying to communicate to someone, you need to consider the three T's of communication. Truth, timing, and tone. Truth, timing, and tone. 
And I think that's really wonderful. And I think that's probably some of the things that Timothy has to consider too. The first T of communication is truth. Man, is my truth really good? Am I, am I sure that I'm right in what I'm trying to communicate? Do I have good biblical truth in speaking into the scenario? The second one is timing. Hey, is, the ti- is bringing up this topic right now, is this a good time? My wife works at a nurse at a hospital in the NICU. She works 13-hour shifts. And if we've had a hard conversation the night before or that morning or something's gone wrong and I need to address it, I know that after a 13-long shift, that's not the right time. You know why? The message will not be received. So truth, timing, and then lastly, tone. Tone, what's your tone? You can have great truth and great timing, but if you have wrong tone— the message will not be received. So Timothy is going to have to set an example with what he says and how he says it because it's going to show his proven character. Second is his conduct. Not only his words, but his actions should match up with what he's saying. He shouldn't be saying, hey, do this, walk out this example, and then walking out the exact opposite. No, his conduct is going to be showing everyone that what he says matches up with how he is walking. They won't be in contrast with one another. The second group that, uh, of, of characteristics that go in common is faith and in love. If you're taking notes, faith is just the belief in God. And so Paul is saying this, hey, Timothy, you need to set an example by your belief in God in every scenario. No matter what's going on, have belief in God that he is for you and not against you. And every decision you make should be grounded in your faith. And then coupled with that is his love. Love is just the outworking of one's faith. And, and love is really just showing, hey, faith is pouring out this way to those in the church. Faith is the motivator of Timothy's love. And lastly, those two groupings have the solid foundation of his purity. Hey, he's supposed to set an example within his purity. Now, purity is not only the lack of sexual morality, but is also a moral purity, specifically here in the Hebrew, a moral purity that's going to be the bedrock for Timothy's life. And this is key here if you're taking notes. His motivations and morals will be pure. So it's not just that Timothy is going to have good works, but Timothy is going to have good inner workings. I mean, think about that. I I was praying about that last week as I was uh, kind of prepping for this message, just thinking, man, so often my motives aren't pure. My motives, and I'll be doing a good thing and a right thing, but potentially for the wrong reason. And Paul is saying this, hey, set an example by showing the world that you don't just do good things, but you have good motivations for doing the right things. And that's exactly what Timothy is going to set an example to the church. The people who are disagreeing with Timothy and they're dismissing him in order to push their false teachings. They're saying, hey, look at this kid. He can't preach. He can't teach. He isn't wise. We are wise and we're able to lead you in the right way. And instead of retorting with arguments or trying to improve on things that don't matter, Timothy is going to show the church the example of his life. Hey, church in Ephesus, you have the choice. Are you going to go after those who are simply teaching falsely? Or look at my proven character, the way that I am following Christ is going to prove the truth of the gospel. Here is the thing. Sometimes we can think of teachings as just what we say. 
but also we need to think about us teaching as everything that we do. Paul knows this. Your character backs up the claims of who you are and what you believe. This is our main point for this morning. Character is not the add-on to the Christian life. Rather, it is the outward expression of the Christian life. Man, sometimes when, when we're thinking of good Christian leaders, we're thinking of, man, do they look good? Do they sound professional? Do they have a lot of followers on Instagram? Do they have a lot of influence in the areas? And we can totally get focused on the wrong things instead of looking at the character of the individuals who are leading us. Man, and even for us, sometimes we can just focus on thinking and believing the right things and not submitting to the ongoing work and development of the Spirit in our own lives. You are teaching everyone around you all the time about the gospel and what you believe and who you are. Every time and every scenario, you are constantly teaching. I work for a ministry, and I'm going to talk about it in a couple minutes. But we are having this Thursday conversation. We, every Thursday we get together, we listen to a sermon, and we just discuss it. And we were talking just about this topic, this idea that we're teaching all the time about, about what we believe. And, and one of my coworkers, Morgan, her family recently adopted a, a young boy from uh, Colombia. And so he speaks about that much English. And so right now they just have to communicate through translators on their phone. And, and so uh, every morning he'll wake up and he'll come out and see my coworker Morgan having her quiet time and reading her Bible for months and months and months. Now he's just come up and woken up and she's not cooking him eggs. She's not getting him ready for the morning. She's out there reading the Word of God and, and studying the Word of God. And one morning this past week, uh, he came up to uh, his mom and he said, he said through the translator and, and, you know, he pushed play on it. And the phone said, does that book go on forever? Because you're always reading it. And what I love about that, and she just like paused and she shared in our staff meeting. She was like, you know what? I didn't even realize it. I was teaching my new son everything about what I believe and my values and my systems, because just by watching me spend time with the Lord in the morning, he was observing it and going, whoa, wait, man, she spends a lot of time in that book. It must go on forever. And here was this moment of teaching and saying, actually, this is why I do this. And it was this teaching moment. We are constantly teaching everyone, everywhere, all the time, what we believe by what we do. So, how do we grow in our character? Well, the next few verses are going to tell us that. We submit to the scriptures and proper teaching. Verse 13. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. He, Paul here is encouraging Timothy, hey, uh, continue to uh, read the scriptures publicly and, and teach and preach on those scriptures because it's going to be the main thing that forms and shapes both you and your character and the ongoing character of the church. This is a topic that is so crucially important to me, the, the teaching and preaching of the scriptures. You may not know this. Some of you do, some of you don't. I work for a ministry located right here in Oviedo called Emmaus Ministries. We get our name from Luke chapter 24 when Jesus is walking with two disciples and he makes this claim that all of the scriptures, Old and New Testament, 
We're pointing and leading up to him. Man, all of the scriptures are showing us what does it look like to follow Jesus and know who he is and his character and his nature. Paul wants the church to be rooted in the scriptures, shaped and molded both personally and, corp- and corporately by teaching and instruction that comes from God's word and not human cleverness. That's super important. Man, when we submit to the scriptures, we're not just submitting to human cleverness, we're submitting to the ongoing shaping and molding by God himself through his word. And why is that important? Because if the church and our lives are based on human cleverness or empty rhetoric or or good looks or fancy words, then it's not going to be based on the power of the Holy Spirit and it's not going to be shaping and molding us into the character of Jesus. Here's a challenge for us this morning. You are constantly being taught by everything that you're being exposed to. You're constantly being taught. I don't care what it is, whether it's the morning or evening news that you listen to, whether it's the books that you read or the podcasts that you listen to or the shows that you watch on TV or the politicians that you subscribe to. All of it is teaching and shaping and forming you. And here's what I'm not saying. I am not saying that we only need to listen to or be shaped by Christian media. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that we need to be cognitive and aware that the forces in our lives are constantly trying to shape and form us. And for me, I have come to the conclusion that the only things that are going to majorly shape and form my worldview and my ongoing character growth That is pertained just to the scriptures, the work of the Spirit, and being shaped and molded by Jesus. All those other things, I can learn from them. I can even grow in some aspects. But my character and my worldview, that is left alone to the scriptures, not to these other sources. Man, I just want to talk to the men in the room for just a minute. Just a minute, I want to talk to the men. Man, there's this... Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know where it came from. But I've just noticed in our culture, there's this idea that being spiritual is somehow feminine. And I don't know where that comes from. And I think it's absolutely, totally wrong. And there's this idea that, man, reading the Bible or growing or journaling or sitting by the lake and praying, I guess that's somehow feminine. I don't need to do that. And I just, I don't know where that comes from. It's not true. It's a lie from Satan. Men, we need to spiritually lead our families well. And in order to do that, we ourselves need to be continuing to submit ourselves to the scriptures to learn and grow and become more like Jesus. I know it. I can see it in my own marriage. Man, if I am really in a season of submitting to God and following after him and and praying and fasting and doing those different things, Lauren, my wife, she follows suit. And if I'm not, if I'm stagnant in my faith, Lauren follows suit. Man, the, the women in our lives, the, the families in our lives, they're, they're looking to us to lead the example. I have a loving challenge to us. This Thursday at 6.15 at Willow Creek Church, we're beginning men's theology. We're, we're going to get together. The men of the church are invited to come. And I believe Pastor Mike and Clint, they're going to be leading us through learning proper theology because it matters. It matters. What we believe ultimately shapes what we think. What we think shapes what we do, and what we do forms who we are. 
And if we want to lead well, then we need to submit to the scriptures. And this is a call and challenge. And for the women too. For the women for sure. But for the men, I want to see us show up to men's theology. I want us to blow that thing out as we continue to be formed and shaped by the scriptures. Paul also says to Timothy, not just to um, submit to the ongoing teaching of the scriptures, but he also points out, he says, hey, don't forget your call. And I think this is really important for us. Man, we need to not forget our call. If you are in ministry, there's a moment probably where God called you into ministry. Or even if you're in the secular world, maybe you had a moment where God called you into your specific field. Or, or even just the call of God to follow Jesus in the first place. We need to regularly remind ourselves of God's call on our lives. Why? Because when life gets hard and we have the pressure of the pushing and pulling of the day in and day out, it's reminding ourselves of how God has called us that is able to ground us through all circumstances. As I said, at our ministry, we do this thing every year where our students and staff, we share our testimonies every single year. So every single year, I have to share my testimony to a new group of strangers and, and share my story. And part of my story is that in my freshman year of college, I was going through this season, this very dark depression, and this moment, and just wrestling with sin and loneliness and all these different things. And one night, my mom called me, and she said, hey, Stephen, there's a Bible study happening tonight at your college campus, and I want you to go to it. And I showed up to this Bible study. I had no idea what it was. And I, I sat down and this person from a charismatic ministry stood up and said, hey, everybody, tonight we're going to be playing a prophecy game. And I was like, I'm uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> like uh, what is this? And he said, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have an inner circle of people standing with their eyes closed, facing outward. And we're going to have an outer circle of people. And you guys are going to walk around like a carousel. When I say stop, you're going to stop in front of a random person. You're going to start prophesying to them. And I thought, can I leave right now? Like, I, I'm just, I don't know if I even believe in this. That night, as I stood in that circle, I had three random strangers tell me my past, tell me about my current circumstances, and a woman that I did not know and have not seen since prophesied to me that I was going to be leading and teaching in ministry similar to this. And I was dumbfounded. And here's why I think that's important. Because every, every year I have to remind myself, when life gets hard and things get frustrating, I have to remind myself, you know what? This wasn't my idea. <laughs> this was God's idea. God is the one who called me. God is the one who shaped me and pushed me into this direction. And you know what? You need to do it too. Whether it's a ministry call or a call into your career field or a call on your family or a call to follow the Lord, you need to remind yourselves, man, this isn't my idea. I am just responding in faithfulness to the call of God on our lives. And Paul is saying to the Timothy, don't forget your calling. Don't forget, because your calling is going to be the bedrock for you moving forward. He closes out by saying this, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone, notice this, everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Look at this. I love this. Look at the first verse again. He says this, our lives are on display. And he says that it is not that Timothy is supposed to show this perfect picture right now of a sanctified life. Rather, he says, show your, everyone will see your progress. 
We fall into this temptation that right now I have to reflect to the world exactly this perfect image that I can't show my weakness, I can't show my sin, I can't show my failures because if I do, then I'm not going to be a good Christian. Everyone's going to think down on me. Man, kill that now. That is not the gospel. It is not that we project a perfect image to the world. Rather, our ongoing progress is evidence to our saving faith. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is in the Spirit. Right now, in our current fallen states, with our current sins and our current failures and our current struggles, you reflect a glory of the image of the Lord. And then you have a next step. And then you'll reflect a different, brighter glory. And a next step. And a next step. And another shade of glory. And another shade of glory. And it's the progress of our growing that is evidence to the world that we believe what we believe, our ongoing shaping and forming of our character. Look at verse 16 as we close out this morning. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Look at what Paul's saying. Watch your life, your conduct, what you do, and, and how you walk out your life. Guard it carefully. Don't Don't disrespect the ongoing shaping of your character and your doctrine. What you believe about God and and your, your faith statements, watch both of them because both of them are working together to teach the world what we believe about Jesus. And here's our call for us this morning. Where are we in our character journey? For me, as I said, I teach for the school, Emmaus Ministries. I've moved down here in 2016 to do the School of Biblical Studies. And, and when I was first coming I, in college, I knew I had a teaching gift. Everybody told me, hey, Stephen, you're a gifted teacher and communicator. You need to do ministry. And so I knew that I had this teaching gift. And I, and I wanted to kind of follow that and pursue a ministry career. And I had this one problem that I didn't know the scriptures. I didn't know the Bible. I had no idea what the scriptures were. And so I heard about this Bible school and I moved my life to Florida in order to do the Bible school because this is what I believed. I said, hey man, I have a teaching gift and I just lack the knowledge of the scriptures. But once I have these two things, then I'll, able be, I'll be able to really do good, impactful ministry. What I didn't realize is that there was a third category. And that category was called character. And for Stephen Ray back in 2015 and 16, character was majorly lacking. And my year of studying the scriptures was actually a year of God taking me and placing me on a surgery table and cutting open my heart and saying, Stephen, there is rotten wood that is holding up the base of your life and you have hidden sin and character flaws and things that I want to work on. And it was through God shaping and molding me through the scriptures that I really found the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's my challenge to you. Where are you in your teaching journey? And where are you in your character journey? God cares not just for your potential ministry capacity. He cares about you. And he wants to shape and mold you in who he's creating you to be in order to make you match the image of Jesus and walk in an abundance of life. So I just want to close out this morning and invite you in to reflect. 
just get into your own personal space. If you need to close your eyes and bow your head, or if you just, you don't have to do that. I just want you to get into your own personal space. And I want us to invite the Holy Spirit into this moment. And I want you to think about two things. Where has your character journey been? What have you already grown in? How has the Holy Spirit already grown and shaped you and has molded you into his image? And where have you already made next steps towards Christ? Just reflect on that now. And then I want you to just invite the Holy Spirit. Let's all just invite the Holy Spirit and ask him, Jesus, what's my next step? How are you shaping and forming my character now? Man, I got this moment where I thought I had arrived. And recently, through the loving care of mentors around me, they said, Stephen, you still need to grow. Lord, I just pray as we close out this time together, Lord, if we have stalled out in our character journey, if we have another step, if we're doing well, if we're just beginning, Lord, I pray that you would grab our hearts, you would form us and shape us. Lord, you would show us, give us a vision for what's next character is teaching everyone about the gospel. It's showing even ourselves, it's teaching ourselves what we believe. Lord, I just invite your Holy Spirit into this time now to convict and lead in the way that you will. Show us our next steps.